Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. And welcome back, everybody, to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink that expands your life. We're coming at you every week with a new episode of Live On Purpose Radio. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you do enjoy it, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. And I'm happy to take suggestions or input or feedback from any of you who are listening. We've got listeners around the country Around the globe, actually, we've got some people who are listening in from other countries. It's, uh, it's exciting to see this family of, of like-minded people just growing and developing and spreading out there. So if you enjoy the show or if you have suggestions for us here on the show, send me an email, drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com, and we will try to be very responsive to any requests you have. Also, if you're interested in advertising on the show, that's a good way to get that message to us. Uh, we can send you out a rate sheet and talk to you about ways to to advertise your business, your dream, your uh, projects here on Live On Purpose Radio. We have a great, uh, exciting program lined up for you today. I have a, a friend, an associate, who is joining me here for the show today. His name is Kevin Whittington. Kevin, say good morning to everybody or good afternoon or whatever you want to say. <laughs> well, whatever part of the world you're in, good uh, good day. That's right. Well, and the, you know, the neat thing about a podcast is you can listen to it whenever you want to. And so I like that. We'll just send a warm greeting. Kevin is a founding partner of a company called Prosperity Idea International. I think I got that right, didn't I, Kevin? Very good. And uh, he is also. Uh, one of our coaches at Creation Tree Coaching is he helps to coach people through through a mind shift uh, to identify the principles that will help to bring prosperity and abundance into their life. I think uh, Abundance Coach is the title you've chosen for yourself. Is that right, Kevin? It is, and I call myself a mind bender. A mind bender. Yes. Okay. That sounds. I take great delight in seeing people go through that twist, so... <laughs> well, you know, that's that's an interesting process to observe. We've all had experience with it in our own paradigm and in our own mindset, but it's really interesting, isn't it, to watch people as they go through that shift. And it, it does tend to twist them and bend them a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's a little awkward or uncomfortable, causes them to stretch, get out of their comfort zone, and really make some phenomenal changes in their life. It's an exciting process. Yeah, I find I'm, I'm addicted to those epiphanies that happen for other people as well as to myself. But I seem to have this ability to feel that uh, same feeling as if it was happening to me all over again. So it's very, mm-hmm. very fulfilling and rewarding to help people through that process. That's right. Well, Kevin, maybe just a brief introduction to 
Prosperity Idea International. Can can you give our listeners a sense of what that is? And then toward the end of the program, we'll let people know how to get connected with some of the things that you're doing. Well, Prosperity Idea is the brainchild of my friend and business partner, Shay Larson. Uh, you mm-hmm. can go to shaylarson.com to check him out. Shay is a man that uh, he's pretty famous in his circle. He's known as the Idea Man, and he invented the idea for sale on the Internet years ago. He came up with an idea, put it up, went out to dinner with his wife, came back, and the auction was successful. Uh, $12, he sold an idea, sent it off to the, the customer, and the next day he got feedback that said, great idea, thanks. And to this day, he sells between two and 500 a month of that very idea, and this is many years later, and many other ideas. Uh, he's also gotten very good at uh, marketing vehicles on the Internet, and eBay actually features him as uh, the guru of, of selling your vehicle on oh, eBay. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So but he has developed uh, Prosperity Idea, and it is literally a business that partners up with people and helps them bring their idea to market and turn it into that million dollar million dollars in your pocket, if you will. Mm. And you've got some exciting things that are coming up in terms of some events and other things. Let's give our listeners a, a heads up to that toward the the end of the program. I like to take some of that last segment to to feature some of that. So we'll give people a chance to get connected with you that way. And uh, in the meantime, they could always go to the website, couldn't they? You've got a website? Certainly. Yeah, prosperityidea.com. Prosperityidea.com. Excellent. Correct. Kevin, I'm glad to have you with me here today. I've been, great to be here. I've been looking forward to an opportunity to discuss some fairly specific things with you. Uh, as you and I have talked over the last little while, one of the things... Well, I, I uh, pointed you toward a, an episode I did a few weeks ago with Kirk Weasler. Yes. And uh, in that episode of Live on Purpose Radio, we were talking quite a bit about stories and how we use stories to teach people. But, you know, we create stories. Everybody has a story that's going yeah, on that's in their true. mind. You know what I mean? Some of us have lots of them. Right. And some are better than others. Uh, some are more true than others, maybe. Uh, but you know, your mind has, has this innate desire to understand your experience. And so it's constantly going out and looking for ways to understand, uh, or frame or reference your experience in some way. And the way that most of us do that is through a story. So you create this story in your mind. And, uh, I know you've got some insights about this, but what does that trigger for you as I introduce that topic? Well, a couple of things. It's uh, rather mixed feelings because I love to tell stories, as you know, and I'm sure that the people that were involved in those events probably remember it differently than I do. And in my fantasy, I choose to remember things in a way that's, that empowers me and helps me to move forward and brings a smile to my face. Mm-hmm. However, I have some other stories that I'm attached to that I've had, some of which I've had since I was a small child, that don't help me do that. They keep me stuck. They keep me down, and they don't bring a smile to my face. Can and I, as I delve into those stories and relook at them, some of which are so deeply embedded, I don't even think of them as stories. I just see them as this is what happened. This is the truth. Mm-hmm. As I delve into those, I find 
in every single case for myself that if it's causing pain, it's a story that I cannot know to be true. In fact, in most cases, it's just absolute BS, if you will. Just a fabrication. This is a a distinction that I wanted to, to jump in and make at this point. There is a stark difference between the story and what we will call the event. Yes. But this is interesting too, Kevin, because you really can't separate those very effectively at first blush. No, as a matter of fact, I find that trying to do that in your head, your mind is going to trick you. And and it's not possible for me to do that. And the people that I've worked with, I've found that we need to do that on paper so that we can see it right there in black and white and our mind can't go through that little trickery it does. That's right. And and the trickery that you're talking about has to do with a a very basic function of the human mind, and that is to encode your experience in some way. And you've Justification. heard well, it might be justification. It might just be this is the way I understand it. And you you've heard the phrase that perception is reality. Yes, perception <laughs> is all there is. That's it. Really, is all there is because that's the way that you are understanding your world. So your your mind creates some story or mental representation, if you will, of your experience. So you go through an event, for example, if something happens in your life, and there's no disputing that something happened, but the way you understand it is couched in and defined by that story that you've created. Yes. And uh, as you were pointing out, uh, and this is, this is a, an important thing that I would like to pursue a little bit with you today, what we do with that story, what kind of a story we have, is going to determine a number of things, including our emotional reaction yes. to these events about which we've created a story. So you'd agree with yeah. that? I agree totally. It's, uh, it's really the way that we see things. Mm-hmm. The the ability that we have to view the entire world is filtered through that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's important, at least for me, to take a look at those things. And as I do that, I've been uncovering what I call the truth, at least the truth for me. And it changes that story to something completely different. And now I can, I can re- I don't know. I I think Anthony Robbins called it neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. Mm -hmm. I can now take that and look at it differently, and that story can change into something that now puts a smile on my face and helps me to move forward. Wow, how powerful is that? There's a specific tool that I use to do that that's been very helpful. I think I know which one you're going to. Why don't you go ahead and introduce that? We've got a commercial break coming up here in about a minute or so, but okay. that'll give you time to at least introduce it. Well, there is a wonderful lady that I met in Salt Lake a few years ago named Byron Katie. Apparently her father um, wanted a boy, uh. but she goes by the name of Katie, mm-hmm. and she taught me something called the work, mm-hmm. and it is a very simple system of asking yourself four questions on paper about anything that causes pain in your life to determine whether or not that is true or not. Mm. And those four questions are, are very simple, but they open up so much. 
I have yet to take anybody through that process and not have them have a huge epiphany. Usually some tears are shed, and tears of joy also also happen during that mm-hmm. process. Well, it can be a painful process, but as they let go of the story, and, and you have to really, don't you, Kevin, to... You have to let go of the old story to make room for the new one. Yeah, there's no way. There's no room for anything else if you don't if you don't let go. Mm-hmm. And these four questions are a way to start looking at the story as a story. That's one of the breakthroughs I think of of the work. And I'm you're the one who pointed me to the work of Byron Katie, uh, and that's what she calls it, the work, uh, which is kind of an interesting little concept, but. Uh, I hadn't heard of it before you introduced it to me. I was speaking at a forum, I think, up in your neck of the woods. Yes. And, uh, and you pointed me that direction. Powerful tool. Powerful tool wow. to help people look at it as a story. We'll be coming Very back so. in about, uh, about two minutes. We'll come back on with another discussion. We'll get into these four questions and what they actually are. So stick with us. a week with your sweetheart in paradise, spending that same week with other like-minded couples who live in abundance, increasing your knowledge through powerful seminars geared toward helping you take your marriage to a new level. This is only a fraction of the value waiting for you on this year's Marital Magic Couples Cruise. Producer Retreats has teamed up with Dr. Paul and Craig Rollo to set the theme for this year's cruise as a more perfect union. Join us on January 26, 2008, as we visit the beautiful Eastern Caribbean Islands aboard Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Call 1-800-591-2432 to select your package and book your spot. You can get more details at ProducerRetreats.com. Limited cabins are available for this event, so book today by calling 1-800-591-2432. We'll see you on board. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I'm so glad that you've joined me for the Live on Purpose podcast. Please visit my website, drpaul.org. There you can subscribe to my weekly e-zine, Empower. Browse the events page to get connected with what's coming up or pick up some CDs or other great products. I also want to point you toward our sponsors, creationtreecoaching.com and producerretreats.com. If you live in the Utah County area, and if you like what you hear on this program, then this opportunity is for you. I am hosting a weekly mastermind group called Paradigm Insurance every Wednesday from 4 to 5.30 at my office. Call Eric at 801-221-0223 for more details. We prefer an abundant atmosphere, so please wipe your mind before entering. That's 801-221-0223. And we're back. You still with us, Kevin? I am. Can you hear me? I sure can. Are you having fun? I am. I always have fun, though. <laughs> I figure if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. 
I did have a bad day once, and I decided I didn't like it. So now I just have some difficult moments. But uh-huh. it never turns into a bad day because I just see it as a moment. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's always that freedom to, to frame your experience in any way that you choose. And that, that, that goes right along with what we've already introduced here today. You, you talked in the first segment about the work of Byron Katie, and she gives these four powerful questions that you can use to, I think, first, to trigger your mind to understand that whatever your conception is, is a story. It's something that you have created. It's a mental fabrication. Yes, and to see it differently is the, is the key. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to caution our listeners to not try to do this in your head, mm. because you've been doing that for years, and that perpetuates the story and strengthens it. It's mm-hmm. important that, uh, and wonder, one of the wonderful things about Katie is that uh, you can go to her website, thework.org, and download the questions and the worksheet um, to do this yourself. So it's important that you do that and do it on paper. It, it changes the experience if you'll do it on paper, doesn't it? Correct. And I would highly encourage them if they're dealing with some things that are difficult, some, some people that they haven't forgiven 100% in their life, that they find someone in their area that knows how to do the work and have them coach them through that process. Mm-hmm. The, you know, just, just a comment about that, and then I want to turn it over to you to, to walk us through these four questions. Uh, but the comment that came to my mind was something that's attributed to to Albert Einstein when he said you can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that got you into the problem in the first place. Yeah. And the consciousness that created the problem cannot solve it. Right. It's, it's got to be a new consciousness. It's all locked in that same mind. So, good point, good point. Walk us through these four questions. I'm curious. Actually, I'm not too well, curious. i got them uh, in front of me. <laughs> take it away. You'll just take uh, an... an an event, something that's happened in the past, recently would be best, but you can go back in the past. Think of someone you haven't forgiven 100%, and that specific event. And now, write can I ask a, down on paper. Can I ask a question real quick about that? Sure. When I talk to people, and you've probably had a similar experience, Kevin, but uh, when I talk to people about grievances that they have or people that they may or may not have forgiven... I see so many times that people say, oh, I've forgiven him. And then there's this big but that follows, you know. Uh-huh. Which um, erases what they said. <laughs> right. And I, and I would like to just suggest that whether you think you've forgiven someone or not, if there are residual feelings of discomfort or dissatisfaction or frustration or anger or resentment or anything along those lines, it's going to work, okay? You can use yeah. that experience. Whether you think you've forgiven them or not, if those feelings still exist, it means that you have a story. Exactly. And if they'll just go back into that event and and visualize that and feel it again and just be just as petty as they were when it happened, mm-hmm. it, it, just go back into that petty feeling and and that feeling of frustration, and go through the process, it'll be very valuable. Now, the first question you ask after you write that down... So you write down the experience, right? 
You, Let me give an example. Okay. So I am angry at Paul um, mm-hmm. because, you know, he splashed my car the okay. other day with his car and got mud on my car. Okay. It's pretty silly, but let's say that I'm kind of angry because you did that to me. Right. Now, the first question is, is it true? Okay. Okay, well, I'd, I'd ask that question. I'd say, well, yeah. I, I saw him do it. Mm-hmm. It, he did it on purpose. It actually happened. It actually happened. So the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? Now, this is where people kind of stumble because they go, well, you're trying to talk me out of it? No. We're not trying to talk you out of it. What we're trying to do is to really examine it. What part of that statement was possibly not true? Well, I, I saw Paul splash my car, but did he do it on purpose? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why he would have done that, but it sure looked like he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if I ask that second question, can I absolutely know that it's true? Most... Every time I've got to say, well, no, there's some room for doubt in there. And usually so, the doubt has to do with people's, people's intentions? Yes. Or the context of the event that's outside of your knowing? Right. Um, it's not what happens to us that bothers us. It's how we feel about it. It's what we're thinking. I'd like to share an example of that uh, maybe a little bit later. I want to get through these four questions, though, too, so... I'll I'll jot down a note. I want to share something. Question three. How do you feel or how do you react when you believe that thought? So what happens? Most people are going to have a a feeling that actually shows up in their body, either in their head, sometimes in their throat, sometimes in their chest, or in their stomach. It's a physical spot where they actually feel that. So I might feel like, oh, you know, it just causes this, this anxiety, this tightening of my, my chest and my throat. Maybe I'll feel it in a, in a couple spots. And that is, that is something that I don't want to have happen, but that's, I don't feel like I have control over that. Mm. So I'm, I'm not having a happy feeling, not having a good thought. The mm-hmm. fourth question is, who would I be or who would you be without that thought? Now, this can be a real twist. A lot of people go, somebody else? I have no idea what you're talking about. But some people get it and they go, I'd be happier. Mm. I'd be someone that was more of a friend to Dr. Paul. Mm-hmm. I'd be somebody that wasn't frustrated about this particular thing. I'd just go, oh, oh my car got muddy. You'd have a so, little, a little smaller measure of stress, perhaps, in your life yeah. if, without that thought. Mm-hmm. So, who or what are you without your story? Mm-hmm. Who are you in that moment without that thought? So, if people are having trouble with that question, for think of it that way: Who am I at this moment without that thought in my head? If I couldn't think it, if it wasn't possible for me to think the thought, Doctor Paul did that on purpose. Hmm. Now, there's a second part to this after these questions that are asked that really makes it come home. It's called turning the thought around. So if I took that statement, Dr. Paul splashed my car and got it muddy and he did it on purpose, 
and I turn that around, how could I turn that around? Well, you can just make it completely opposite. Well, Kevin splashed Kevin's car and got it muddy, and he did it on purpose. Is there any truth to that? Well, by golly, I've done that before. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've done that to myself before. There are other turnarounds. You know, Dr. Paul didn't do that on purpose. Is there any truth to that? Mm-hmm. Well, back on question two, I determined that I, I don't know that for sure. So it helps me to see Dr. Paul in a different light. Well, maybe, maybe there's another reason that he did that. Maybe it was just an accident. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can find up to four different turnarounds on a statement, and a lot of times I'll use my thinking wherever that applies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my thinking is the problem here. My thinking lies to me. Dr. Paul didn't do it on purpose. My thinking turned it into that. <laughs> that makes sense? It, it makes perfect sense. I was just thinking of an experience I had just yesterday. I was reading a book. I was really enjoying the book. And I will reference it in another show because I don't want to tie this experience into this specific book. And you'll see why. <laughs> because I was okay. really, really enjoying the book, okay? Just getting some great ideas, feeling inspired, just going through it. And then the author put in a paragraph that offended me. Uh. Okay? Just a paragraph. And I immediately felt something, okay? And uh, so as I'm going through these questions... Um, the offense, if I were to write that down, would be something like, this author uh, wrote something that offended me. Okay? Yes. Is it true? Well, it's true that he wrote it, right? Yeah, was it's his, true you're offended. And it's true that I'm feeling offended. Okay, uh, can I really know that it's true? And that takes it another another level. Where yes. I, I have to start asking, well, okay, uh, do, was his intent to offend me? And ha- can I really know that that was his intent? And, you know, I can, I can look at that, and it becomes very obvious very quickly that he doesn't even know me, you know? Right. <laughs> he has no How could idea. He, offend you? he has no idea what would offend me or not offend me. So even if he did intend to offend me, he, d- he doesn't have the tools to do that in terms of his own knowledge and experience. So that helps to poke some holes in it. Well, how do I react when I react to that thought? I immediately had had a very different emotional experience when I assumed that he was, or when I took the offense. And I did not like the feeling that I was having. In fact, it completely distracted me from the inspired, enjoying enjoyment of the book that I was having prior to that paragraph. I've thrown the baby out with the bathwater and experiences like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Taken the whole book and said, "Well, this thing's no good." Well, and and does it does it remove all of the value that I was gaining from the book prior to feeling offended? Yeah, absolutely not. There's probably ninety nine point nine percent of that book is awesome. So how or who would I be without that thought? Well, I would continue to be the inspired. Uh, in, enlightened, you know, person that I was feeling that I was before I, I took the offense. Dr. Ball, can we talk about a little related aside on this? Sure. And maybe we'll I'd do like that to, after uh, the next break. 
Oh, okay. Since I hear that music coming on in. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on to that thought, Kevin. We'll be right back after this next commercial break. Stick with us. We're talking about the work of Byron Katie, asking some different questions. In 1935, the federal government stopped the minting of pure silver dollars for general circulation. When the dollar coin returned back to circulation in 1971, it was the silverless Eisenhower dollar. This explains why your great-grandfather always had a silver coin in his pocket, and you never have. We're 180 degrees, and we have a pure silver coin with your name on it. If you're a young entrepreneur and feel like you're up for a challenge, contact us immediately at move180.com. That's move180.com. Click on the Contact Us link on the website and include the keyword silver in your information request. We will contact you shortly about how to retrieve your silver coin. While you're there, browse the website to learn more about us. Let's put some silver in your pocket at move180.com. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. And when you love me, so Kevin, just before the break, you were leading into something that you wanted to to share to help our listeners understand this concept a little more fully. Well, Dr. Paul, I'm uh, I'm kind of angry. And, and I'm going to call you a name. I'm going to call you a helicopter. Hey. How, how do you feel about that? Does that bother you? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's terrible. I, 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 I don't know what to say, Kevin. I'm just astounded that you would call me <laughs> a helicopter. Where do you come off calling me a helicopter? Well, you know, there is no basis in reality at all. It's just a mean name that I wanted to call you. But <laughs> yeah. it, it illustrates a point that when I call you a helicopter, it's humorous. Well, shouldn't I be offended, though? I mean, you called well, me a name, right? I guess you would be offended if you didn't like helicopters and you were afraid you were one. Mm-hmm. That there might be some truth to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I call you a helicopter and you know that's just ludicrous, we laugh about it. But if I call you, you know, a, a 40-something-year-old uh, uh, declining fluff muffin, that may bother you a little bit. Ah. You know, mm-hmm. you're looking a little flabby around the uh, arms there or something. Maybe that that might bother <laughs> you. 
By the way, that's not true. You're one of the buffest guys I've ever met. You look like you're about 20, so. I just asked the questions about it and discounted it, so. (laughs) (laughs) But it's our fear that what someone says is affecting us or may have something to do with us that causes that pain. Mm -hmm. It's not what the man said in that book that offended you. It's some attachment you had to it. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, if he'd said you were a helicopter, you'd kind of got a funny look on your face and kept, continued reading. I'd wonder what's wrong with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It's not the event. It's not what's happening in your life that causes your feelings. It's the stories that you create about that. Exactly. And in the past, you've told me about something, uh, a story that Dr. Covey uh, related in one of his books. I wonder if you remember that well enough, if you could uh, relate that. Oh, that yeah. Be... This is when people who have read The Seven Habits are going to be immediately familiar with this book or with this story. Stephen Covey shares, it's, if, if I'm remembering the event that you're referring to right, it's, it's when he was riding on a subway in, I think it was New York That's City. It. And early in the morning, I think it was on a Sunday morning, and so there wasn't a lot of traffic. Things were pretty... Pretty calm, you know. He's just reading his paper, enjoying the ride on his way to a meeting. And the train pulls up to a stop, and a man and three children. I don't know if I'm getting all the details, but it's a story. Yeah, small children. Man and his, his three small children get onto the train, and the man just kind of sits down and kind of rolls forward onto his elbows and and seems lost in thought. Well, the kids are just going crazy they're climbing the walls. They're pulling out those little timetable things, you know, and wadding them up and throwing them around. They're, they're swinging on those little thingies that you hang on to so you don't tip over. And yeah, yeah. Just going, going bonkers. And Stephen uh, Covey, of course, notices this disruption. He looks over at the father who is not doing anything. Nothing at all. He's just sitting there. Just ignoring the kids. Right. And... Uh, just telling the story or, or hearing or reading about it in Covey's book, you know, creates this scenario, this event, this, and you begin to have reactions to it. Yeah, I started feeling the, what I think were probably similar feelings to what he was having. Yeah, and how would you describe those? Oh, I just was, I was angry at this guy. Can't you right. control your kids? What, what's the matter with you? Anger, irritation. All, all kinds of things going through. Well, he put up with us for a while. One of the kids, you know, bumps into him, tears his paper. And he's, I got to say something. And being the diplomatic person that he is, you know, he's going to handle it well. But he he reaches over and he touches the guy on the knee to get his attention, says, excuse me, sir, I don't know if you noticed that your children are creating quite a disturbance here on the train. I was wondering if you'd say something to them. And the man kind of shakes himself into awareness. As he says, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you see, we just came from, from the hospital, and the kid's mother died this morning, and I just don't know what to tell him. You know, and you feel immediately a change in your own reaction. That's one of those mind-bending experiences for me. Yeah. Well, what changed, really? Did the scenario change? Now the kids are still going wild. He's still focused on something else. But I have a different feeling within me. And it's because you now have a different story. Yes. And just 
Sometimes the context of our experiences will allow us to start to ask some of these questions that we're talking about, you know, Byron Katie's four questions. We can start to ask those sort of automatically when we go through a paradigm shift. And so is it true? Well, he got the man on the, uh, or Stephen Covey on the train, got more information that allowed him to ask that question. Well, was what I was thinking before true? Obviously it's not. And the scenario itself didn't change. I want to emphasize that. The event itself didn't change. The kid's mother had died before he felt irritated. Right. And they didn't stop being disruptive when he found out some of the reasons for the man's unresponsiveness. And he was no longer irritated. And he wasn't making it up. (laughs) No. He didn't have to try and force himself to be that way. He didn't have to tough it out steal himself. He just had to understand. Those feelings are real. The feelings that that any of you as listeners have on a regular basis or from time to time as you go through your life, those are real. And I don't want anybody coming in and saying, hey, you know, you're making that up or you're deceiving yourself. You may well be deceiving yourself, but you're doing it honestly. Yes. You know, that kind of begs the question, deceiving yourself? Hmm, that's interesting. You wouldn't do that on purpose. And it's no one else's business. That's your job. Right. And it's okay to have that experience. But I think part of what we're getting at is, if you don't like what you're experiencing, or if you're having a a feeling of discontent about what direction you're going, if you've with this book last night, you know, this is, it's great that I had this experience just last night, and I talked it through with my wife uh, before I went to bed because I was experiencing this offense, you know. I'm not the kind of person who wants to carry an offense, and I was able to fairly quickly reframe it because what happens if you carry those offenses around with you? Well, they eat at you. They literally remove your ability or diminish your ability to get the inspiration you need to have a happy life. That's right. They're they're distracting at best. At best. And at worst, they're destructive. I'm sorry, Dr. Paul. No, go ahead, Kevin. It reminds me of one of the most powerful quotes that I have ever read in my life from the book The Peace Giver by James Farrell. Oh, I love that book. Mm -hmm. The quote is, And you have to listen very carefully to this. It is one of those mind-benders and takes some thought. But the quote is, Being mistreated is the most important condition of mortality. For eternity itself depends on how we view those who mistreat us. Oh, boy. That is powerful. It's been huge for me in my life to, to realize that this whole process that we're going through is designed to create conditions where we have to think this way. We have to go through this kind of pain so that it will lead us to the understanding that, that we need to see people differently. We need to see them through the Creator's eyes, and that's what will set us free. That is an interesting quote in so many ways because it sets... It sets up these experiences that we are having as being essential to our to our eventual or ultimate happiness. Exactly. And avoiding them 
it's futile. <laughs> you know what, Kevin? It's interesting. I, I've got a copy of the book right here in front of me, and I have that page marked. I noticed the same thing when I was reading it. Let me reread that quote because I want to really emphasize it. Being mistreated is the most important condition of mortality, for eternity itself depends on how we view those who mistreat us. Wow. Yeah. I think it's cool that you and I notice the same things as we're reading these books. Yeah. Well, they're truth. Yeah, and it really rings. Truth truth comes out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone that is listening that has not read that book, that is on my top ten all-time greatest books list, and I have a huge list, by the way. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is something that, when I read that, it, it rocked my world. Well, I I would agree with that. I I echo that sentiment. It's it's on a reading list that I encourage people to look at too. It's called The Peace Giver. It's by James L. Farrell, F E R R E L L. And uh just an amazing uh treatment of the topic of forgiveness. And yes. I call it forgiveness now as a psychologist you know, the book is written from a decidedly spiritual perspective, yeah. and, and it's a Christian-based... Uh, um, he, he's really coming up with parables and stories, interestingly enough. Out of the Old Testament. To help, and to help us understand how this concept of forgiveness works. You know, one of my favorite uh, ideas or quotes about forgiveness if you if you fail to forgive, if you refuse to forgive, it's like drinking a bottle of poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah, I love that one. Do you know who said that? I don't. Do you? I don't either. Huh. Well, I just did. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, I've, heard, I've heard Bob Proctor brag sometimes. He says, I've got the greatest stuff in the world. And he says, I love to, to brag about my stuff because none of it's mine. <laughs> we get all of these ideas from from great people, great thinkers, people who are willing to share uh, principles as they have learned them, and uh, that is a that is a good one to think about. Another one that that I like that's attributed to Brigham Young, who is a uh, an early colonizer of the West and religious leader. Um, he said, "If you're bitten by a poisonous snake, you have at least two courses of action." to follow at that point. One is to get a rock and hunt that thing down and smash it or die in the process. And the other option is to make haste to get the venom out of your system. And I think that's that's what forgiveness is all about. Yeah. Hey, great discussion. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com 
Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. Relishing a week with your sweetheart in paradise. Spending that same week with other like-minded couples who live in abundance. Increasing your knowledge through powerful seminars geared toward helping you take your marriage to a new level. This is only a fraction of the value waiting for you on this year's Marital Magic Couples Cruise. Producer Retreats has teamed up with Dr. Paul and Craig Rollo to set the theme for this year's cruise as a more perfect union. Join us on January 26, 2008 as we visit the beautiful Eastern Caribbean Islands aboard Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Call 1-800-591-2432 to select your package and book your spot. You can get more details at ProducerRetreats.com. Limited cabins are available for this event, so book today by calling 1-800-591-2432. We'll see you on board. So just before the break, Kevin, we're talking about forgiveness. Some of our favorite quotes, you know, drinking a bottle of poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I shared a, a quote that's attributed to Brigham Young about the poisonous snake. And what are you yeah. going to do? You know, if, if you choose to grab the rock and go after the snake, uh, it's going to pump that venom through your system even faster. Yeah, it accelerates your demise. And I like that alternative. Make haste to get the venom out of your system. And forget the snake. Snakes are snakes. Yeah. They just go, they do their snakely thing, you know. It's their nature. That's what they do. Don't worry about the snake. Make haste to get venom, the venom out of your system. Powerful stuff. You know, I, I also really like some of the work that uh, Fred Luskin has done related to forgiveness. He's, I don't know if you've heard of him, Kevin. I have not. He is a psychologist. Luskin. His name is Luskin, L-U-S-K-I-N, Fred Luskin. He's the head of the, or at least he used to be, I, I don't know if he currently is, the head of the Stanford, Univer, Stanford University Forgiveness Project. Oh. And they're doing some phenomenal work, but he, he outlines four steps to forgiveness. And, you know, that's a whole show in and of itself, and so I'll... I'll talk about those in more detail on another episode. But just to point you in that direction, he also wrote a book called Forgive for Good. And, uh, Great name. A powerful book. It's and a very practical, too. It gives you some nice steps. I like the, uh, the four questions of Byron Katie. Um, Fred Luskin has four steps for releasing grievances. Yeah, I just love that there are so many different paths to the same result. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what works for you and what resonates. Now, you had an interesting quote or idea that uh, that you've shared with me before related to this. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Well, yeah, let me uh, let me back up and give it a little, uh, little context. Okay. I am an addict, and uh, I'm addicted to being right. <laughs> oh, boy. That's one of the worst ones, Kevin. Uh, 
it's terrible. It's 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 very difficult. There are no twelve step programs out there for this one. No, that takes thirteen. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and so I have pinned up on my wall this statement, and and I don't know who to attribute it to, but I have to read it almost daily to remind myself to stay out of this spot. The quote is: "You can either be right, or you can be in relationship. You cannot do both." Now, I've spent many, many years trying to do both. It doesn't work. At least it hasn't for me, and I haven't found any evidence that it's working for anyone else. But I have to remember that the relationship is far more important than me getting any kind of payoff inside. And that's what creates happiness for me. When I focus on the relationship and not on being right, things get much better. Mm. That's powerful. So share the quote one more time. You can either be right or you can be in relationship. You cannot do both. You can either be right or you can be in relationship. You cannot do both. Yeah. What what a helpful perspective. You know, I've I've done marriage counseling, couples uh coaching, um individual uh, work with people who are struggling in relationships, and I have found that that is commonly, commonly a problem. And people will will drive a stake uh, in a mountain that they really don't want to die on. You yeah. Know? Uh, in the interest of being right, I'm right about this, you know. And they just dig in their heels and they they insist on being right in in exchange for the relationship. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Another quote that uh, this reminds me of, uh, again, I don't know who to attribute it to, there is no salvation in believing an evil story about your neighbor, even if it's true. Right. I have heard that same one quoted. I would love to find the source of that. It's been attributed to Joseph Smith, um, at least by some of the people that I've heard it from, but I don't know that. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great concept, though, and think about that. Uh, th- the quote was, there is no salvation in believing an evil story about your neighbor, even if it's true. And let's just put truth uh, of the matter aside for just a minute. Truth is an important thing, but let's just put it on the shelf for a moment. What is the value of your believing something evil about someone else? Well, if we look at it at the perspective of the producer, where people are assets and things are always liabilities, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't even compare, because that thought is a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And you don't have any way of knowing for sure if you're right, or if it's true. true. So... uh, so back to my experience for just a minute, I know I've probably shared enough about this, but when I was reading the book and I, I encountered the paragraph and I felt the offense, I started to believe something evil about the author. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That he was this or he was that or he would, you know. Okay, how, how does that help me? Well, it doesn't. How does that help him? Well, it doesn't make any difference to him, really. <laughs> you know? Um. It doesn't bring me any value at all to even think that. Plus, there are other thoughts. You know, here's, here's another one. Let me throw this one out. I had, um, well, you've, uh, you've become familiar with Craig Rollo, who's one of our Creation Tree coaches. Craig yeah. and I have done some, some retreats and cruises and things with couples. 
and one of the things that Craig has taught me, which he got from somebody else too, you know, it's just great how we share ideas. Yes. But uh, one of the things he taught me was that you ask a different question and that a potentially relationship-saving question is, what else might this mean? Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome question. Powerful. What else might this mean? You know, you've got your story already. And your story is based on what you think it means or what you're pretending that it means. And if you ask that question, what else might this mean? Wow. You know, I'm a huge believer that asking the right questions are the secret to success in life. So what else might this mean is a is an empowering question. It helps you to move forward. And whenever we are in black and white thinking, I know that I'm in the adversary's camp because because the the creator tells us there is more than enough in despair, that there are a myriad of colors, millions of them. There mm-hmm. are always more than one or two answers. And right. So I choose not to take offense, and I assume the best, and I ask myself that question, what else might this mean? Mm, that's right. Powerful question. I, uh, speaking of powerful questions, let's uh, before we wrap up our program, I'd like to do a quick review of those four questions that you presented earlier in the program. Let's, Great. Let's just hit those one more time with any further comments that you have about them. The first question, is it true? Not to convince you that you're wrong, but to honestly and authentically find out. Mm-hmm. Is it true? And if the answer is yes, you move on to the second question, which again is not designed to try and convince you that you're wrong, but to really help you to examine it from every angle. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Mm-hmm. And if, if you still say yes, then you just go on to the, three, the third question, how do you react when you believe that thought? What happens? Where do you feel it? Mm-hmm. When you think that thought, so you can close your eyes, describe what you feel. How have you treated that person, the situation? How have you treated others when you believe that thought? What did you say and do? And it, it's important to be specific. How do you treat yourself when you believe that thought? Does it cause you mm-hmm. to fall into any of your addictions? Does it get you any closer to where you want to be? Right. Or is it taking you somewhere where you really don't? Where and when did that thought first occur to you? So you can describe on paper what your life was like before that thought first occurred to you. Mm -hmm. Was your life better or worse? Mm -hmm. Where does your mind travel when you believe that thought? There's a couple of little sub-points here that uh, I've I've just got this little booklet in front of me from Byron Katie, and and, uh, there's a couple of sub-thoughts under this, too. Can you see a reason to drop it? Yeah, to drop the point. thought, and and she she adds there, and please don't try to drop it. No, you're not asking it yourself makes sense to drop. Or it doesn't. Just can you see a reason to drop it to drop the thought, and can you find one reason that it's that is not stressful to keep it? Yes. If, can you find any reason, any utility, any value in keeping this thought that doesn't create stress for you? So that, that's and that, just further guidance on that number three. How do you react when you react to the thought? And the very, very important part, does this thought bring peace or stress? Mm-hmm. If it's bringing your stress, 
causing stress in your life, where's that heading you? Mm-hmm. And then so the, the fourth? fourth question, who would you be without the thought? Mm-hmm. Who or what are you without your story? And who are you in this moment without that thought? Mm-hmm. You know, I love helping people to reframe their story in a way that puts them into a powerful, benevolent position. And oh, when, I love that. When, when you have this grievance story going on, it diminishes you. That's not a powerful, benevolent place. It's no. a it's a petty, victim-like place. Powerful stuff. Thank you, Kevin, for sharing those with us today. My um, pleasure. The work of Byron Katie. Uh, they can get in touch with that at thework.org. Is that right? Thework.org or .com, I believe, works also. Okay. Excellent. I want to give you a chance to, to, to tell the listeners in the last minute or so that we have here what's coming up. I know you're hosting an event through... Prosperity Idea International uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks for folks who live in, in Utah. Or, yes, or who can get here? lives uh, in the Utah area on October 23rd, which is a Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m., we are having an event called the Idea Orbit. It is a free event, but they do need to go and register for their free tickets because we have limited seating, and we're down to the last 100 seats. So I would mm-hmm. highly recommend people do that uh, within the next couple days to make sure they have a spot. Okay. Um, Amanda Dixon from KSL News Radio will be talking about how she brought her new book to life. Uh, the book is called Wake Up to a Happier Life. Uh, Amanda has a, an amazing history. be uh, fun to hear her story. And then my good friend and business partner, Shay Larson, will be taking the stage and literally taking people through the process of bringing their ideas to life, turning them into a, a million-dollar idea, if you will. That's a, oh. It's always remarkable to me how many people I talk to, and I say, do you know anybody that has an idea? And they'll say, wow, I got one, and people run out and get this thing out of their truck or so, out of the trunk of their pick, or of their car, and it works, and it, it's amazing, and they invented awesome. it years ago and haven't done a thing with it. So, so they can come to this event and see how to do that. And the website once more, Kevin? Prosperityidea.com. Prosperityidea.com. Thank you for joining me on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks appreciated for your being here. I think we'll do this again sometime because it was a lot of fun. I'd be happy to. All right. Thanks for joining in, everybody. We'll catch you next time on the next episode of Live on Purpose Radio. We're signing off.